Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. My wife Jennifer and I are so moved by the work of Project Rescue around the world. Jennifer just got back from doing some mission work in Spain along with uh, Connie Clements. And while they were in Spain, they had an opportunity to visit the Project Rescue home that is in Madrid. And Jennifer was just saying, um, that couch that was in the video, I saw that place and we visited with women sitting in that same room. Mother's Day's coming up and Proverbs 31 begins with recorded words that a mother spoke to her son who was the king. And as part of this mother's instruction, she says this, Proverbs 31, eight and nine, speak up for those who have no voice. Speak up for those who have no voice. And then in verse nine, defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. Speak up for those who have no voice and defend the cause of the oppressed and the needy. As followers of Christ, Christ's love compels us to be difference makers and to be ambassadors of hope. And that's what today is all about. We are so thrilled to have Jonathan and Jennifer Barrett from Project Rescue with us today. And so I'm gonna ask you to, let's give our very best People's Church welcome. And by that, I mean stand up if you're able. Let's stand up in anticipation, believing that God's gonna to speak to our hearts as we welcome Jennifer and Jonathan Barrett. Thank you. It is great to be with you all here today. Uh, we are first time visitors to the beautiful state of Oregon. Um, so excited for you guys to be yes, our first, yes, and first visit in we Oregon. We flew in yesterday and it was like the clouds parted for us and the sun shone down and there were rainbows everywhere. <laughs> And our daughters literally asked if we were in a magical place. And I said, I don't know, but it sure presents well right now. So, um, but we are, we're excited to be with you here this morning. Yep. Uh, thank you guys for welcoming us in so beautifully. Thank you, uh, Pastor Tom and Jennifer for inviting us in. And um, for those of you who don't know my dad, he is, in my opinion, one of the most amazing mission speakers out there. And um, I think it's amazing that we're here on Mission Sunday. And so we are thankful to share with you a church that obviously has such a big missions heart, heart for missions. And as you go through those nine priority missions partners, um, you guys' global footprint is beautiful. And um, I, I know that God's going to bless you for that. So we're, we're happy to be here on this day with you. So 25 years ago, David and Beth Grant, who you just saw in the video, they're my parents, they were working in Southern Asia. And they had a colleague and a close friend who was working with Teen Challenge, 
who felt like the Lord spoke to him very clearly and said, I want you to take an outreach team down into the heart of one of the largest and most infamous red light districts in Southern Asia. Weird thing to feel called to do at that point in time because 25 years ago, especially in this part of the world, the red light district was not a place where people of the church went. But he felt called and committed, so he took his team down and they used one of those old school loudspeakers and they boldly proclaimed the name of Jesus throughout the roads, buildings, and brothels of that red light district. And at the end of the service, 100 young women came forward and said, we wanna serve this Jesus that you're talking about. But we are not free to leave, we're slaves here. Could you take our daughters to a place of safety? Because if they stay here, they will be sold just like we were. So that night, that colleague called my dad and said, Brother Grant, could we take 37 little girls? There was no plan, no advance notice. The trafficking word wasn't even well known at that point. Nobody really knew what this was that we were dealing with. It was an opportunity that just landed in our laps. And so my dad, never a man that was good with the plan or the details, but always a man of great faith, didn't even hesitate. He said, yes, 37 little girls, of course, we want them and we will take them. And that was the night that Project Rescue was born. What followed was a quick rental of a small apartment in the middle of the city, local ladies in the church just volunteering to help, and then mobilization of hundreds of prayer partners around the world. And that tiny apartment in the middle of this big city with 37 little girls became the very first Project Rescue Home of Hope. I was 12 years old when Project Rescue began. And I remember so vividly sitting on the floor of that same tiny apartment as those first young girls were welcomed in from the red light district. And I remember the look on their face, the, the shame and the horror that I saw on their faces is something that I will never forget. And some of them were 12, just like me. And I couldn't even begin to comprehend what they had seen, experienced, and endured. And I remember all of the grown-ups around me talking about hope. Talking about, that's why we're doing this, hope. And I remember honestly thinking, is there? Is there really hope for them? Like, I get it, we rescued them, they're in a safe place, but is there really hope for full healing and restoration? After all they've been through, is there really hope for a new life? But as we embarked on this journey, God just kept showing up and proving to us time and time again that he is their hope. They were traumatized, violated beyond belief, but I was able to watch them find hope and healing in Jesus. I watched as they grew up in a safe and loving place and received everything they needed from counseling to medical care to education. I got to watch them choose college, I got to watch them choose careers, and some were able to start families. And then I got to watch all of them choose a relationship with Jesus and become the women that God had created them to be. So early in this journey, uh, David and Beth were just going around church to church very organically, just sharing about the things that were happening 
in these red light districts and churches were responding and the, the message of hope was really resonating to the point where people just started sending checks in. They started sending checks in. And as Jennifer said, there was no marketing strategy, no marketing plan. It wasn't even called Project Rescue at the time. And just as an aside, uh, some of the checks that were being received at the National Headquarters Office of the Assemblies of God, in the memo line, they didn't know what to put, so they just decided to put, the, this money is for David Grant's prostitutes. <laughs> um, so... So they had to call my dad yeah. and say, David, what have you gotten yourself into? So the, the ladies who were opening the mail had almost heart attacks, and they were wondering what David had got himself into. So we knew in that moment we needed a name. And so... Project Rescue was born. <laughs> but even in those early beginnings, we were amazed to see the way God just grew. It was organically, church after church, locally, internationally. And what started off with 37 girls in one city, and might I add that some people looked at and said, you'll never get it off the ground. There's too many of them. It's too hard. Nobody responds to the trafficking thing. They don't even know what that is. And now here we are in 2022, and we look back, and Project Rescue now works in 11 countries, 32 cities, uh, three different continents, and on average, we minister to more than 60,000 women and children every year. It's been absolutely amazing. And this year, 2022, is specifically a, a special year for Project Rescue. It is our 25-year anniversary, so we're excited about that. Uh, also for Jennifer and myself, this October, uh, we will be stepping in, uh, following in her parents' footsteps and assuming leadership, and David and Beth will be passing what we feel is a very, very heavy baton our way. Because I know it's, some might think it's just so natural for the children to follow, but really, this ministry, and we've seen it, I've watched it firsthand, it is a spiritual battle. And when you step into it, you better step in prayed up, you better step in ready, and so for us, we had to count that cost and what it meant to us, what it meant to our family. But we feel like it's important now, especially in this first year as we're assuming leadership, that churches and people understand the call that God has placed on both our lives together, but also individually how God has brought us to this place. So we want to just share a little bit about our journey to sitting here before you today. So because I grew up with Project Rescue and my parents founded the ministry, I think it does, like he said, I mean, people just assume that makes sense that you would follow in those footsteps. But this is absolutely not what I had thought my life would look like. Um, growing up, I always wanted to be a nurse. So I, uh, and I had my plan laid out. Um, and then in high school, both of our families relocated to Springfield, Missouri, mine from overseas and his from Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and while it wasn't like immediate love at first sight, it was like pretty quickly we fell in love. Um, I, I would like to say that he fell in love with me first because it's true. She, she glows when she says he fell in love with me first. She, that, That's true. She's very excited to share that. And I did. I, <laughs> I kind of chased her for a few years and she said no way more than I'd like to admit. But here we are. Here we are. Two girls are in our kids' church. Yeah. All right. That's so nice. Thanks, guys. But just like Jennifer, ministry was nowhere on my radar. It, it, it was not the plan I had. Uh, I wanted to do one thing since the time I could walk and talk. I wanted to play baseball. And I don't mean just, you know, this was, I was serious. Like, I was going to play professional baseball. 
And in 2003, I actually had the opportunity to realize that dream. And I remember June just sitting there, in 2003, sitting there in my parents' office, and I got to hear my name called out with the first pick of the fifth round in the 2003 Major League Baseball draft, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays select Jonathan Barrett. And so I was, it was like one of the coolest days of my life. Like I jumped up, I hugged my parents, and the first thing I did was I got in the car and I raced to her house. I couldn't wait to tell her. Now, admittedly, she knows next to nothing about sports, which is one of the things I loved about her. But I knocked on the door and I said, babe, I just got drafted expecting like a huge hug and oh my goodness this is great and her face was mortified and she said they can't do this to you they can't draft you and just force you to play baseball so in my defense i grew up in a family that was not appreciating of sports at all and I, we didn't know anything about it and my dad feels that sports are a total waste of time um preaching is the only you yes. know thing that is worth anything <laughs> Amen. Um, and so and then my sister and I, like, we didn't play sports, so there's just no knowledge of anything. And the draft I'd heard about was the military draft, right? Different. So, and, and then he tells me he was in the fifth round, so I was thinking, well, there's probably only five rounds, and he got, like, so drafted. Like, you poor in the thing, that you got drafted so low, and I, you know, so it Apparently took there's, like, 50. It took me about an hour to explain to her that the draft was a good thing, I'm okay at this baseball thing, and, and this is what I want to do. This could be good for us in our future. So uh, a few weeks later, I signed my professional contract and stepped into what I thought was the next 20-plus years of our charmed life. Yep. So once I got on board with it and realized, like, oh, you're good at this. Okay. Um, so this could be a pretty great life then. And so I went to nursing school and became a registered nurse, just like I had always thought I would. Um, he's off playing baseball, I'm working as a nurse, and we settled in, really um, anticipating our comfortable future. And I loved Project Rescue, it was always a part of my heart, but I thought, we'll work, we'll make money, we'll be the ones who send, and we will um, make a lot of money, give a lot of money, um, and pray for Project Rescue. But clearly, as we sit here before you, a lot has changed. So in 2006, he had his best year playing professional baseball, and there was even talks of next season, you come back, we'll, you'll be called up to the majors. And so we started looking for houses in the Tampa area. And then in 2007, just kind of the, the bottom sort of fell out of everything. And, and that story is probably for another day. There's just a lot that goes into that. But just to, as succinct as I can put it, um, through a, I was a left-handed pitcher, severe shoulder injury, and then a diagnosis of Lyme disease. Uh, my playing weight was around 170 pounds, and I went all the way, all the way down to about 118 pounds. Um, and so I found myself at the end of the 2007 season out of baseball entirely. And the, the two years that followed that were probably the darkest two years of my life. Just, I had grown up in the church, and, and as legalism goes, you check all the boxes. Alcohol, save myself. To, I mean, I checked all the boxes of, of what I should do, and so I almost felt betrayed in some way. Like, God, why, would, why did you bring me here to pull the rug out from under me? What did I do? Or, or are you a good God? I know we sing in church that you're a good God, but I don't, I don't feel that right now. And so my heart was so hardened, and I just determined, all right, here's what I'm going to do. Um, if I'm not going to be famous and wealthy, I'm at least going to make a lot of money, so I'm going to go to school, get my college degree, and I'm going to go into finance. Um, so that's, that's what I did. I got my degree, and the problem was, is this is 2009, and 2009 with the Great Recession is a really bad time 
to try and find a job, and so just couldn't find anything, and job after job fell through. And in this season, her dad stepped in the, the overly optimistic David Grant, and I really struggled with him in this season because he was just so chipper. And like he, oh man, he, I was just not in the mood for, for a chipper person because everything was, I was very pessimistic at the moment. He would just call at eight in the morning, what a beautiful day, sun's out, I know you lost, you know, you didn't get a job, but why don't you come work to pro with Project Rescue? And my answer was always no, no chance, that's not gonna happen. But after about the fifth or sixth job that fell through, almost indignantly, I phoned David, because I am a pragmatist, and I said, David, I'll come work with Project Rescue, but I have three conditions, which now I refer to as, these are my three millennial demands, okay? <laughs> Number one, I'm not doing this for more than one year. And while I'm doing this, I'm gonna be looking for something else. Number two, I'm not traveling overseas. I don't like it, I don't like going over the pond, Southern Asia is super hot, I'm just not doing it. And number three, and this was the big one, the non-negotiable, I said I will not under any circumstances get up in front of a church and share my story or share about Project Rescue. <laughs> yeah. For young people, for your demands, here's a recap on where those went. So uh, November, this November will be 13 years with Project Rescue. Uh, I've been to Southern Asia now more than 30 times, and in this moment, I am sharing both my story and about Project Rescue, so be careful <laughs> what you tell the Lord you won't do, yeah? But the natural, <laughs> the natural question is, well, what happened? Well, six months into that first year, I felt the Lord speak to me in a way that I hadn't heard him in years. With my hardened heart, I just felt like I wasn't hearing from the Lord. And I was praying one night that God, candidly, that God would bring baseball back around and that he would heal me. And I felt, I never heard an audible voice, but I felt as clearly as I'm speaking with you, the Lord just, the spirit fell and God just said, Project Rescue is where you're gonna serve. And I kept hearing that word, serve, serve. And it was the most bittersweet moment of my life to that point because my dad had always taught me that, hey, the safest place to be is the center of God's will. It's the safest place to be. And I knew that, but I didn't want to do it. So I just remember soaking my pillow with tears saying, God, I'll do this. I don't necessarily want to, but you're going to have to show up because I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm stepping into a world that I feel totally ill-equipped to handle. And God did show up and uh, brought him so far. And I watched that. I walked that whole journey with him. And so he's working with Project Rescue. My parents are working with Project Rescue. And I worked as a nurse for nine years um, doing Project Rescue on the side, like on the weekends and at events. And I would go overseas sometimes. But it was all part-time on the side because I loved it. And after nine years of that, I just really felt the Lord tugging on my heart and saying, you've got like one foot in, but I want you in this fight full time. I want both feet in. So um, I said yes. And for the last seven years, we have been working with Project Rescue, serving and um, Yep, serving together as a family. And now we've got girls of our own, and they come with us. Uh, they're in your kids' church this morning, but uh, I can tell you my youngest especially wants to be up here with every fiber of her being um, talking about Project Rescue with you. So they love Project Rescue, and um, it's who we are. But now, as we're raising these daughters of our own and um, working in this area that we work, 
If I'm honest, sometimes I still struggle to understand the horrors that we face and deal with every day. But now, I'm so much better equipped to respond when I come face to face with a woman who's been trafficked, abused, or exploited in any way, whether it's in the brothels in Southern Asia, whether it's on the streets in Europe, or in a church here in the U.S. I am better equipped to respond than I was at 12 years old because over these last 25 years, I have seen what Jesus can do. Amen. And I no longer have a question about the hope because I can look her in the eye and I can tell her without a doubt, without question, there is hope, there is healing, and there is new life. Because I know the one who promises I'm making all things new. And I can introduce her to him, and I can promise her that if anyone is in Christ, she is a new creation. Old things, no matter how awful they are, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Amen. In my first few years with Project Rescue, I was uh, given a project to focus on specifically, and Project Rescue was growing. So her dad came to me, and I, he said, I need you to focus on our ministry in Sharon Stan. And this was a work in Southern Asia, and so that became my project, my job, and I really took that to heart. And the 113 children that were in our care in Sharon Stand became my focus. And what I was to do with them, for them is to make sure that they, their, all their needs were met, make sure finances, the resources, um, whether it be me heading over there and connecting with them and make sure, making sure things were going well, staffing, all the above. And of course, like I just said, I would go there two to three times a year and just spend time with them. And that became like my family. And, and if, when I talk about God calling me six months into that first year, that's when I feel like I knew he called me in my mind. But it was walking this journey with Sharon Stan is when my heart was captured. When I feel like, you know, that song, God, give me your eyes. I felt like God gave me his eyes for the women and children and understanding and hearing about some of their backgrounds and what they, what they went through. And just my heart was broken for them. And, and it just strengthened my resolve to do everything I can to support them and encourage them. So... During those trips, what we would do is we'd just have fun together. We'd spend time together. We'd play cricket. We'd play soccer. And man, we, we kind of just did life together. And it was one of those things that right before it was time to leave, every time it would take us hours and hours to leave because they'd want to come together. They'd want to take selfies together. They'd want to <laughs> hang out. They'd want to ask you questions. And one of their favorite <laughs> things to do is to make you make them promises, and, and I'll give you an example of that. Number one, the boys would come up to me and say, now promise us that next time you come that you're not going to sit out cricket. You're going to play with us, right? And that's, you got it, guys. I'm in. Count on me. And then still another girl named Pyle, younger Pyle, she came up to me and she said, brother, can you make me a promise? I said, Pyle, anything you want. What do you want? She said, next time you come, can you bring Justin Bieber with you? <laughs> I said, uh, Pyle, the Biebs and I move in different circles, um, but I'll see what I can do. Um, but then after that, a young girl named Kavita, she came up to me and she said something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. Um, she said, brother, can you make me a promise? And learning from the previous one, I said, I'll try. Um, she said, can you promise that when you leave today that you won't forget my name? And it 
kind of took me back a little bit. It, it shocked me, really, and through a lump in my throat, I said, Kavita, I'll never forget your name. And when I flew out that night, it kind of hit me and just fell on me. What, what Kavita was asking is her entire life has been neglect, her entire life, and what she's looking for is to be valued. And I want to give you a little bit of her background just to give you some context. Um, Kavita grew up in a brothel and her mom was incredibly abusive towards her in every sense of the word, physically, emotionally, verbally. Uh, her mom would often tell her, your grandmother was a prostitute, I am a prostitute, one day you too will be a prostitute. It's not an option, it's a mandate. You are, no you are good for nothing, and she would say this, nothing but the flesh trade. She would call it the flesh trade. And so Kavita's job from the time she was five years old was to clean up in the brothel after her mom and others were with customers. Now, as I've gotten to know Kavita over the years, she's opened up a lot, and she shared with me, she said, brother, when I was eight years old, I didn't want to live anymore. She said, and one day, I was praying to a God I didn't even know existed, and I said, I know you're out there, and I know you're real, and if you are real, please send someone to help me because I just can't do this anymore. Six weeks after that prayer, Kavita heard some talk outside of the brothel, and she walked outside, and sure enough, her mom was being introduced to the Project Rescue team for the first time. And through weeks and weeks of asking, Kavita's mom finally relented and allowed her to come be in the Project Rescue home. And it was amazing to see Kavita was as happy as you could imagine. And honestly, she grew and grew and thrived in, any way, in every way, body, mind, and spirit. She was shy, yes, but she had this quiet confidence about her um, knowing what God had meant to her life. Now, working with Project Rescue, probably the, the most common question I get, and naturally so, is what is it exactly that Project Rescue does? And typically, especially if I don't have time, my response is to recite the mission statement to them. We rescue and restore victims of sexual slavery through the love and power of God. It's great. But if I could, I would share this next video with anyone that I could, because this to me is the heart of Project Rescue, and I just want to set this video up for you. So during one of my visits to Sharon Stan, again, as I talked about, we were hanging out with the children. We had just finished up a time of games and sports and whatnot. It was getting ready to be, we were getting ready to leave, and we gathered the children around, and we just said, all right, we want to hear from you. Does anyone want to talk about school or the things that they're looking forward to or summer break? We just want to hear anything that you have to say. And a shy Kavita stood up, stepped forward, and this is what she had to say. I was a game in 2003. Uh, I was that time, I was eight years old. And my mother was victim of sex trade. And uh, uh, when I am small, two years old, that time my mother uh, left me and she went off somewhere. I don't know where. And my granny and my grandpa, they took care of me. And uh, we don't had home, we don't had food, we don't had clothes. Uh, after five years old, my mother came and she said, come to home. So I, uh, my granny said, we don't have home, so you go with your mother. I'm with her. So 
she used to do like i am i am a labor not i am not daughter of her every time when i when i am doing work in my house my mother used to say you are useless you are not worthy you are useless so many bad things she used for me and uh, like every time she like torturing me for everything so i thinking like i am useless i am nothing from that uh, that time i was thinking god i don't want to lie like i don't want to leave i don't want to leave there was no reason why i'm like uh, why i am uh, living here and wh what i want to do and what who i am like this i have so many questions so after that when i came to sharanthan i got no i am something i i can do something i'm not useless and i want that love from my mother like if one mother love a child so i want that love but sharanthan gave me that love and all family after charanthan i got no i am not labor and i am daughter then i studied here and i got everything like family sister body and whatever i want like that time i don't had clothes and i don't had food then after when i came charanthan i got everything like food everything everything god bless me i i can't express and i can't say the word for charanthan and god really i got <laughs> mom and dad like lila aunty and his uncle really i got so much love i that time my mother didn't give me love and all i don't had that experience mother's love but now i got that i completed my bachelor's and i am doing work i am and i am something and every project rescue leaders and every support who are supporting us really i am say thank you i am like when you bought bought one tree and uh, when you feed them and so after the years and years you got the fruits from them so i'm like that only i'm really praise god and thank you for everything oh, thank, thank you crazy i love that video so much and what i love so much about it is that it's not staged and it's not produced at all. I mean, it's rough quality video, but she, that, that's what she wanted to share. And you can feel the pain from what she experienced, but now the hope and joy of where God has brought her to. And I think the one statement that really stands out to me so much and that I, I hope you leave with today and it's what Project Rescue feels like the Lord has called us to do. When Kavita says, I learned that I am daughter. Project Rescue has been working so that thousands and thousands and thousands of women and children and Kavitas around the world can stand and boldly say, I am not nothing. No matter what has been done to me or what I have done or what has happened, I am worth something because I am a daughter or I am a son of God. Kavita, I love to share this part of the story. Kavita actually now directs that home with hundreds of other little kids that have been rescued and are growing up there. She came through that program and then now she leads it. So she ministers. The Lord has brought her full circle and she's able to minister to kids who are in her exact situation. And that's not something that the Lord just does for Kavita or for girls like her. 
the Lord can do that for you also. If you're here in this moment feeling like my past is too dark and too difficult, the things I've done or that have been done to me are too much for the Lord to redeem, I want you to know that there is hope and healing and new life. And he is the God who no matter how hard it is, he makes everything new if we ask him. Though the last 25 years have been miraculous, we really believe that he's just getting started. His heart for the world is so big and each woman, each child matters. And we will continue to keep going to the darkest parts of this world with the hope of Jesus. And partners like you help us do that. So thank you, People's Church, for sitting with us this morning and hearing our hearts. And thank you for giving and praying and for walking with us on this journey. Thank you again, Pastor Tom and Jennifer, for inviting us in. And I just want to pray for us in this moment as Pastor Tom comes back. Lord, thank you for your presence here in this place with us. And thank you. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing in hearts right now. And Lord, in this moment, we open our hearts, our hands. We open our lives to you and to the work of your spirit. Lord, may whatever that looks like, whether it's just how we want, how you want us to respond in this moment, or Lord, whether you're working on broken places in someone's heart right now, and they think there's too much shame and there's too much hurt and pain to begin again, Lord, minister yes, your hope Jesus. and your healing in this moment. You are a good God and your arm is always reaching. And Lord, we wanna be a part of your rescue story. Thank you, Lord. Move in this moment and use us as you do. We love you, Lord. Amen. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.